Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. All right, my guest today on the A-Game Podcast is James Daner. He is one of my go-to bucket list guests. I've been watching his content and listening to him on podcasts and webinars for a couple of years now. And the guy is just an absolute stud. He's one of the smartest, most successful investors I have come across. And I was really excited to have him on and pick his brain. I could have talked to him for 10 hours and probably still not gotten to a fraction of the things that he could have dissected for you guys. So highly encourage you to... So highly encourage you to follow him on social media. Check out his website, jamesdaner.com, YouTube channel, uh, Bigger Pockets on the Market podcast that he's doing. The guy's just uh, giving free content everywhere. So a lot of companies he has started, a lot of companies he has to help investors, not only in the Pacific Northwest Seattle region, but all over the country, as we will discuss in this episode, from waiting tables at Red Robin to being a multi-multi-millionaire. But he ran his tables like he runs his business and has created successful processes, he uses the data and the analytics to take calculated risks and to do things and see things that others can because he doesn't have to have much of a guessing game because he's using facts and figures to, again, take calculated risks. And we talk a lot about that and about the dangers of sitting on the sidelines and missing out because right now we're an opportunity where fortunes are going to be made. Are you going to be in the game or are you going to be sitting on the sidelines? It is a choice you have to make, but if you are going to make that choice to stay in and invest right now, you absolutely have to make sure you know what you're doing. And we talk about some of the key things and the key metrics that you need to be looking at to make sure that you are not going to make any mistakes in your market, that you can buy the right property in the right market with the right strategy and potentially even with the right loan in place because it all makes sense for the recipe for success. And this is not a time that you want to be guessing when we're in a little bit of an inconsistent, possibly volatile pretty much transitioning market at this point. So, so much great advice, no fluff, no nonsense. We get right into it. And again, I cannot be more thankful or grateful that people like James Daynard are willing to say yes to my invitations to come on this podcast and talk and share this information for you guys. So definitely follow him, check out the show notes for all the ways to connect with him and hundred percent listen to this podcast. Now, to continue to have great guests on this podcast like him that would come in and share top-notch investor information to help make you guys money and save you guys time and mistakes. I need you to please subscribe to this podcast and please communicate and interact with the social media. So when I do post the clips of this show, please show James some love by letting him know you're looking at these notes, you're looking at these clips, you're listening to these interviews by giving a little thumbs up or a fist bump or a little ninja sign or great information or just like the posts on Facebook or share the posts would be even better. Tag some friends. It only takes a minute. You guys are on social media anyway. So while you're going through and you're scrolling through, please just click and like and comment on some of these posts. It really goes a long way to continue to get you guys top quality guests and top quality information. While you are checking out those show notes, definitely check out nicknicknick.com slash links to connect with us on all platforms. So I don't care where you listen to podcasts, you can get the A-Game podcast through nicknicknick.com slash links and even watch it on YouTube. While you're there, you'll see all the ways to connect with myself on all the social media platforms from my Facebook group where you can ask any questions you want or you can ask and request any sort of information or guests that we can get you guys the information you need on this podcast. Please utilize that, join the community. Tag me in some stuff over there. Happy to ask, answer any old questions, but follow us on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook and YouTube and all the general places that you see on there. Please interact with us. Cannot ask you enough. And thank you enough for that. Under nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see under affiliates as well, all the ways to connect with our lenders. If you want to start a podcast, if you want some VAs, virtual assistants, or if you need money for your deals, this is a great place for you to go get that. CBD, you want some of the best CBD in the game, owned by William Brown on a Navy SEAL hailing out of Hawaii. Put in promo code AGAME at checkout and get any 20% discount on products on that site. Last but certainly not least, this whole thing is about investing together. 
If you're in the Pacific Northwest market, I highly encourage you to connect with James because he is a master of that market. But anywhere else in the country, if you would like to do some deals together, whether you are going to buy properties from me, sell properties to me, or find a way for us to partner up on your first deal or your next deal, text me directly, 516-540-5733, 516-540-5733, and just text me real estate, and I will start the conversation to see how you and I can work together best on your first or next deal. And last but certainly not least, definitely go to nicknicknick.com slash biggerpockets to get a free checklist on all the ways to bring value to your buyers as a real estate wholesaler, broker, or agent. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for connecting on social media and subscribing to this podcast. And thank you so much for James Dana for coming in and being such a stud and such a class act and sharing such fantastic information with you guys to go out there and make some money. Have a great day. Go to BPCon. Meet me, meet James. Have an awesome day, everybody. Adrian Podcast. All right, my guest today is a former Red Robin waiter turned massively successful full-time residential and commercial real estate investor as well as broker, lender, and developer. He's the real estate king of the Seattle surrounding areas and has completed over 3,000 fix and flips with over 400 multifamily units and counting under construction. He is responsible for the development and execution of corporate strategies, marketing, and property acquisitions as the founder of multiple companies, but most well-known for Heaton Daynard, earning over an astounding $1 billion in sales and named one of the Washington's fastest growing private companies four consecutive years in a row. He also runs Project Real Estate, educating investors with firsthand knowledge on how to find different types of strategies and how to navigate them in this rocky market, as well as Limelight Developments, Buck Buys Houses, Project Real Estate, EasyButtonLeads.com, which we will talk more about, and even a lender in interest funding. Puget Biz Sound Business Journal has recognized him as one of the 40 under 40 honorees. And you also probably know him not only from his outstanding social media and YouTube page, but he is the co-host of the Bigger Podcast on the Market Podcast, which is an outstanding wealth of knowledge and entertainment. And more importantly, a father, husband, dog lover, and our guest today on the A-Game Podcast. Please welcome, I am very excited to have him on, the one and only Mr. James Daynard. What a What an intro. <laughs> I, I feel like I, I feel like I'm getting ready to go in a boxing ring. <laughs> yeah, you can man. And I only touched on half of the stuff, man. Your your stuff's so impressive. I I was saying before, I, I've been watching your stuff for a while, man. I was so excited when you agreed to come on. I have so many different things we can talk about. But for anybody who is not a hundred percent familiar with you, that's about to be blown away, can you give them maybe a thirty thousand foot view of who you are and where you came from? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess first and foremost, I'm just kind of a deal junkie and addicted to the grind. Uh, you know, we're we're active investors up in the Pacific Northwest market in Seattle, Washington, primarily. Uh, I've been doing this now since I was a senior in college, uh, about 18 years. Uh, and we've been in all sorts of different types of markets. And, and we just, as we've kind of gone through all these different cycles, we've always expanded out. Actually, every with every market cycle, we usually start one or two new businesses because, the you know, the market changes and we're pivoting. And that's how we kind of wound up with these family of companies. Um, the, the, I think the funniest thing is a lot of these companies we started because we had to. Like, you know, we started our lending business in 2009 because no one would finance anything. It was like the market was crashing. Hard money was all locked up. So we're like, well, we'll just go lend people the money ourselves. So it, it's always been kind of a just make it through whatever we got going on. And then it turns into a really uh, cool thing at the end of the day. That's awesome. And I think that that's a huge thing. I've been telling people the way everybody's looking at the way we came out of the pandemic. I'm a big believer that within the next two years, there's going to be a renaissance of all these things that were created out of necessity in the background. They're going to start to come to life. And I think it's going to be a really exciting time with the things that people do when other people shut down. Like I, I use a Tiger King example. I go, there's going to be a time when people look back and they, they're going to judge people on what did you do during that lockdown time? And some people are going to say, like, I reshape my business. I invented things. I restructured things. I, I grew X, Y, and Z. And other people are going to say, I watched Tiger King. It's like, yeah. Yeah, the people that pivot are the ones that grow the fastest. It, it, you know, every market, it doesn't matter. Even the pandemic, I mean, the pandemic was the biggest. I mean, besides 2008 and the pandemic were the biggest market shifts that I've ever seen. You know, 2008 obviously was like a free fall. And then after they, they pumped a bunch of money in and dropped the rates down, we saw just a skyrocket of values. And so it was kind of the, the opposite direction. But yeah, it's the key is, like you said, pivoting and changing. Or if you're sitting on your hands, you're, you're going to be sitting on your hands for a while. Well, I think the mindset plays a huge part. And I, as much as I want to, we're going to get to all the other things. I always think it's interesting that new investors 
want to discount the mindset stuff and they just want the checklist. Give me the scope of work, give me X, Y, and Z. And I find that the more advanced you are, whether it's athletics or business or anything, really it is that mindset of keeping yourself going after you get your butt kicked. Because if you don't, on the hard days when you're you're having a tough time or now you can't get funding, people quit instead of doing what you did and saying, I'm not going to sit there and make that an excuse. I'm, I'm, lit I'm literally going to create the solution if I need to. And I think a big piece of what's happening now is there's uncertainty in the market and knowing how to have confidence and talk to people when they are uncertain, they'll have confidence in you and there'll be a big opportunity to make money. And I know you started out working at Red Robin and I'm always interested to see, because I worked in restaurants for a long time. And I think I learned a lot about people and people skills and customer service, which as much as it's a real estate business, it is a people business. What did you learn working in restaurants that might've helped you transition into business and people today? I think everybody should be required to be a waiter for one year because it is, first of all, be nice to your, your wait staff. Um, it, being a waiter actually was one of the best things I ever did because it just learned you, it, it honestly taught me how to be of service. I mean, when you're sitting there just hand and foot serving people all day, every day, and I used to work really long hours there too, because I, when I was in college, I would go to college two days a week, and then I would knock doors four days a week uh, after college. I'd knock from like four in the afternoon till 10 o'clock at night. And then I would work three doubles on the weekend at Red Robin. So it was like 15 hours straight. Because if I was there, I wanted to work and make money too. And I would work 15 hours straight of just serving people and get, you know, like you're tending to people, whether it's unreasonable request or reasonable request, or they have, you know, some people like to complain. And so, and so you just have to, you learn how to deal with it and you learn how to kind of communicate with people. And, and, and that made the, I think being a waiter for a couple of years made a world of difference in my wholesaling business, because especially with wholesaling, a lot of people go out there and they're just trying to get the deal done. And they think, Hey, I'm going to, I'm a cash buyer. I'm going to give you this offer. And then I can assign it, make some money. But it's really, a lot of times people are selling their homes because they're actually looking for a different solution or they need help. And being a waiter what that, what that really taught me to how to do is listen to what people want, find the solution and then really just take care of them and follow up from there. And it, 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 I think it, it really set me apart in the wholesaling space, at least when I was doing this back in 2006 to eight, because I, I just knew how to take care of people, listen to people, figure out what they want, and then and kind of work around that. Even though it's, it's completely different, but it's the same principles, right? Like, obviously, if I'm at Red Robin, I'm getting burgers, bottomless fries, and ranch for people, whereas <laughs> if I'm buying their house, I'm trying to put them in credit repair, move them, and, and get them into different uh, a better situation. So it's, it's a complete thing, but it always comes down to service and being a waiter again is the best thing that anybody can do. And plus there's nothing more humbling than having to serve or sing birthday songs every 30, <laughs> 30 minutes. <laughs> and that's funny. I forgot about the birthday stuff when I was, when I was waiting over there, but you know, I think you nailed it there. There's a difference between you're a waiter. Oh, I just bring people food. No, when you provide extra value and extra service, that's where people come back and they, they're your locals and your regulars and the people that will come back for you rather than just going somewhere anywhere they can get food. You're not just making people offers on a house. You're providing value. That's why they'll keep coming back to you to want to buy and sell properties for them or with them because of the level of service you provide them. Yeah. And talk about like learning work ethic. I was busting my tail just to make an extra dollar on that tip. Like it was like for an extra, I was willing to go push myself even harder just for an extra buck. Like I wanted, to, I wanted 25% tips. I didn't want 20% tips. And <laughs> so it's like, it really does teach you like just to grind it out and get, and get things done. But yeah, I was kind of crazy at, at, back at, at Red Robin. I definitely ate the culture up. I was like a trainer, uh, a manager, but then they would let me run. I'd run like 20 tables at a time because I wanted to work <laughs> while I was there. So I was like running it like a, like almost like I run my flips it was like a machine I had my busters doing stuff I had the food runners doing things that I would tip them heavy and it just so I could run because if I had five times more tables I was making five times more money on tips and so that and they let me run it that way so it worked out it, it taught me other processes too yeah well I mean the, the whole how you do anything is how you do everything I mean it's it's not a shock at all that that's exactly how you ran your tables is how you run your business and how you run your life man that's really funny <laughs> yeah I, I, I'm there to do work yeah that's the get things done and move it on no that's cool man but you know talking about the the losses the mindset and stuff like that the same way you have to learn that hey man I gave this person great service I worked my butt off and they stiffed me on the tip you can get that same thing when you're putting in work on a real oh, estate yeah. team as a wholesaler and all those things. And so how do you stay motivated? How do you stay fired up? And I know it's a very interesting time because 
you've been investing for a very long time. I invested through the, the 2008 crash and through the pandemic, but there's so many people out there that have been investing really not that long and they don't know what it's like to not have a great market that you can't miss. So being somebody that did invest and took some losses and you know got their butts kicked a couple of times, how did you get the courage to jump back in, talk yourself back in the game and then go as big as you're going today without having that fear from those past losses holding you back? Well, I mean, part of the, yeah, because we, I lost in, in 2008. Uh, so I was a wholesaler from 2005 to 2008. And then I started doing some flips with condos and, uh, and doing kind of small things. And then in 2007, right before the market imploded, I bought a massive fixer. I didn't know what I was doing. And I ended up like, you know, with a, I ended up going like three times over my budget, three times over on the timelines. And then we listed it, we sold it, market crashed, it fell apart. And I ended up selling it for about 200 grand less than I originally had it pending for. And what that did is it totally wiped me out at the time. It went, you know, and I, I was like super proud of myself because I had saved up like 250, 300 grand at like 25 years old. And I thought I was, you know, I thought I was rich. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm making it. <laughs> and uh, and I was, luckily I was really good about saving my money and just reinvesting it. But then when it goes wrong, it goes wrong. And this is, a, I mean, this is a serious one that it taught me a lesson that this, I can't control certain things. And I just have to, the only thing I can control is pivot and adjust my game plans. Because when that market started crashing, I didn't change at all. Because I didn't know anything else. All I knew was a really strong market from 2005 to 2007 and a half. And it, because I, that's all I knew. I didn't know the experience to pivot around. So then we got flatlined and I lost everything. Uh, you know, I think I was down to like five grand, but then we had also started our own business during that time. So it was like a double negative and we put all of our cash into our business and our projects. The project wiped me out. Rest of the business was like, okay, we need to figure this out. And the thing that was probably the most rewarding thing that I, I or the most impactful thing of that time was a losing my money. That was a good experience. Like, I know people look back and they're like, oh, I lost all my money. It was terrible. No, that taught me so many things. Like, you know, I lost a couple hundred grand, but that is the best college that I could have ever had. I mean, college costs you a couple hundred grand nowadays. Learning those things and what to do, it totally shaped how I work, you know, even 18 years down the road. Um, and what that made us do is because we had all our money in, we had just invested it all. We didn't have a choice. And for us, it was about putting our, 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 you know, we just had to get on the grind and get after it. And, and luckily, everyone else, or not everyone, but a majority of the people quit when it gets hard. And because everybody had left the market at that point, by 2009, it was like us and a couple other businesses, and there wasn't a whole lot going on. And it was just that daily grind of we can do this, we just got we have to figure out what people want, and then we would go chase it from there. Um, but that was that was interesting times because I remember I was out, I'd like go knock on doors, get a deal, then go around knock on every neighbor's door to see if they wanted to buy a rental property in their area. <laughs> it was like it, it was like it was way easier to go get the deal at the door. And then it was like trying to get rid of them was like, all right, well, no one wants to buy them on. And this is before like mass marketing would work online too. So it was kind of like the phone calls we made wouldn't work. And then we, it was just all right, well, let's go talk to the neighbors because people like to buy rental properties. And it's just always about figuring out. I don't take no well, and I don't take that you can't do that well. And I think there's always a solution or there's always some sort of solution that you can kind of create um, the plan for. And as long as you can, you don't have that, like, well, you can't get it done mode, you can always figure it out. But the wealth is made when it's hard. We've made good income the last three to four years, but we have not obtained that much wealth compared to what we did from 2009 to 2014. And it wasn't because, oh, it was the market was so cheap. The reason the market was so cheap is no one was buying it because they were all afraid of it. We were buying because other people were afraid. And so now, right, as we're going in this transitional market, it's the same thing. It's getting hard. And so you have to, you have to motivate yourself and, and teach yourself and pair yourself with the right people that you can implement the right plans. Because like you said, no one could lose in the last 24 months. And that's 100% true. Like we were making returns that were absurd and it wasn't just because we were good at what we did. It was also market timing and that the market is like mother nature. And if it's going well, you're going to do awesome. And if it goes wrong, it's going to hurt. And, uh, but now is when, like I've seen in the last 60 days, like 70% of the investors have pulled out of the market. Like there's not a lot of people buying right now because they don't know what to do. And you can buy in any type of market and, and that's the mindset that we always have. No, we can always do this. You just have to figure out a new plan. Maybe what you were doing the last 24 months doesn't work anymore. 
but you can do something else in this new next market. And, and that's really what we've had to do is audit what we've been doing, making our changes. And then it, it, and by looking ahead and motivating ourselves, it allows, it, it, by looking ahead, it motivates me in general. Like I get excited when I'm doing something new. So that's what I love about real estate. The market changes every 24 months. So I have to do something new every 24 months. And so the, I think that's my main motivating is just the, the market. And then I love when people say you can't do it. Like when people are saying hey, it's a terrible time to invest, I'm like, okay, I'll prove you wrong. Like that prove you wrong mindset is kind of what motivates me most. I love that, man. You know, a couple of key things you said, you know, when, when we come from a background of waiting tables and then you're making six figures and you're on the hook for multiple six figures on deals, you really can't go back to, well, I owe this lender 400 grand. I'll just pick up a couple of extra shifts at Red Robin. Like you kind of have to stay in the game because real estate is <laughs> the only thing to get you those returns again. But I think it's fascinating because people want everything to be easy. Oh my God, the market's going to shift to a buyer's market. It's like, well, yeah, one market it's easy to sell deals and another one it's easy to hard, hard to, to find them. But when the market shifts, now you have to work on the other side, but it really just becomes like one way or the other, there's always a way to make money as long as you pivot with that market, kind of like what we were saying earlier, but they want it all to work all the time. It's crazy. So you, you can't pick up a couple of shifts at Red Robin and pay back the lender for the $400,000. It's not going to work out like that, but everybody wants things to be easy. And when the market shifts from a seller's market to a buyer market, one market is easy to get deals, another market is easy to sell deals. And it's just a shift. And I just think it's crazy that people want all of that. But if you think about literally any other item besides real estate, when it's on sale, people rush to buy it. Like I, I use the example, Black Friday, people kill each other to get TVs at a discount yeah. Yeah. that will never be worth more money. But then real estate that you statistically can see, it's always going to bounce back when the market's quote unquote bad and everybody wants to run away. It's like, if it was anything else, you'd be lining up for days to get it at a discount. But real estate people are scared of when it's on sale. I don't understand. Yeah, it's because it's it's kind of like, I mean, even like that Bitcoin craze that we've seen the last ever like i mean how many people do you know were buying bitcoin that didn't even know what it was oh yeah <laughs> like i mean that was that that was definitely me i didn't really understand it we you know i i, I did some bitcoin investing too and it's just it because it was just everybody was winning on every angle and so it kind of gave people this false sense of security They're like oh i mean if you put money in the stock market bitcoin real estate whatever asset and you could buy cars right like or boats like when did boats go up in value <laughs> and, and everything was ripping up and, and then what happens is is people lose all their 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 basics of what they're actually want to invest in and they start buying things up and then soon as and they kind of live in la la land and as soon as something stalls out they lock up and 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 that's it what people always need to remember when you're investing is if you are looking at making 20, 30, 40% returns, that is an extremely risky investment. And you can't just, it's not like you can just go buy it, hire the contractor, let it go, and you're going to make all this money. You have to manage that. You have to watch it just like any other business. Real estate flipping and, and investing in general is is no different than any other business. Like if, if I'm out selling pens and I don't know what the cost of my pen is, and I, or I don't know, I can't, I don't spend the time to figure out how much it's going to cost me to produce this. And I'm selling it for a certain price. I can lose a ton of money. Like if I'm selling it for a buck, but I'm making it for two, that's a problem. But these last 24 months, you could do that. Like people are blowing through their budgets because the market would rip their values up so much that it, you just look like you couldn't, you couldn't lose. And so, you know, as that's why people, people kind of realized that their processes were bogus and they've kind of all locked up and uh, you know, and all of a sudden they also think that it's always going to crash into nothing and they can buy it cheaper later, but then they end up sitting on the sidelines the whole time. So, you know, when you're, when you're an investor, you have to just pivot it. You know, I'm never going, Hey, I'm going to go on the sidelines for a year. I'm just saying, Hey, I'm changing my plan for this next quarter. And there's always a plan that you can kind of put in play, but you have to work on it. It, it is not easy. You know, like, I mean, recently we just kind of eliminated our whole construction team. And we wow. are rehiring the whole team because the way we were doing it worked really well for two years. But now going forward, we have to be so tight on our budgets and keep our, our timelines going so fast that we have to have a whole new team in there to, to facilitate that way. And so, you know, typically every 18 to 24 months, if you're not changing, it makes it scary. And that's what it, that locks you up. I love that, man. And I tell people, I, I almost don't even consider myself like a real estate investor anymore. I consider myself somebody who just analyzes data and makes decisions based off of that. 
Yep. And you and I started investing at a time where there wasn't so much readily data available to just have at your fingertips like that. I mean, it seemed like there was a lot then, but compared to what's available now. So I'm interested to see it at this stage of the game. I know when you first started knocking on doors, you were doing a ton of research to learn their market. And for people who don't know, man, you have such a lock on your area, like watching the social media and all the stuff you do. I don't know anybody that I watch that is as much of an expert in their market because they go, I'm going to learn a little bit of this one, and then I'm going to go to another one. But I very much appreciate how well you know your craft in your area. What stuff do you research? What kind of data do you pay attention to when you're looking at a real estate market? Yeah, so I'm always tracking. Inventory is one of the biggest things that I, I'm It depends on what, what sector I am. We do a lot of different things. You, you know, So for, for, for new construction, actually, one thing that we track kind of religiously is uh, like how many permits are in the market pulled. So we actually track how many permits have been applied for. The reason we do that for townhomes is because we want to make sure that it's not going to be an oversupply because that was a killer. Uh, you know, if there's a certain market that has, you know, thousands of permits open, we're going to stay out of that market because that's when you go into a transitioning market because we're forecasting 12 to 24 months down the road. We don't want to be hitting that. Like, you know, if the market's slow and the rates are high, which is going to slow everything down, we don't want to be in the most amount of inventory because right now, even with the market being slow, we're selling when there's still low inventory pockets and, and things are still moving. So we're always tracking inventory. The other thing that I'm always tracking is days on market is a big deal for us. And I think that's a, it's randomly, a lot of people don't really look at that because like, well, it's just the time to sell, but that dictates all your hold costs. And that's going to tell me what to prep for and getting set up in my, you know, if I'm buying a new deal, do I want to set that hard money loan up for six months, nine months, 12 months, all those things cost differently up front, which can add massive impact to your bottom line. And, um, you know, so if I'm not days on market and inventory are two of those big things that I'm looking at, because that's going to tell me how fast I can move in and out of a deal. In addition to it's going to give me the projections on my cash on cash return. Um, Another thing that I'm tracking right now is I track the medium home pricing over the past 60 day periods uh, because I don't really care about what happened beyond 60 days ago because the rates were way different and it was a totally different market. And so what we've been doing when we're buying is we go, we track median home prices per, not just the state, we go per city and per zip code. And as we're based on what we're seeing on the trend, because you'll see a steady trend over in each little area. Like we know like certain pockets actually came down about 20 to 25% off peak median home pricing over the last 60 days. That's a huge drop. And what the and then certain markets only dropped 10 to 12% off peak. That's a stronger market for me to be looking at. And so if I'm forecasting higher rates down the road, that means that that, that market that came down that 22 to 25%, it's a weaker buyer market. And so typically when I'm buying in those, I'm going to actually expect a bigger return. So by watching each trend in each city and each zip code and seeing what they're doing, you can actually kind of pad your performance a little bit differently. You know, if I'm looking... And like Bothell, Washington's an area I got a flip going. I have one going with Ashley Kier from Bigger Pockets Real Estate Rookies there. And and that that house skyrocketed in value when we bought it. We performed the deal at a million fifty. During the peak spring months, it jumped up to a 1.45 to 1.5 million. We sold three homes in the area for this that pricing. Now we're back down to a million fifty sitting there. And we're barely getting showings. So, and, and then that specific market has came down 25 to 30% off peak if I'm watching the trends. Then I have some other deals in more urban areas of, of Seattle that are a little bit stronger markets. And those only came down 12% in the pricing. And so what we're doing is we're going thinner and we're being more aggressive in those rather than the areas that are dropping the most because it's just a weaker buyer pool. So watching that median home price, we're watching permits for inventory because the inventory is going to slow everything down. Um, another thing that we're watching is the inflation factor because that's telling us how much to dictate on uh, how much of a buffer we want to put into all of our construction rehabs. You know, everybody should be putting at least 10 to 20% buffers on their original budgets right now because it's just still so unpredictable. We're seeing rates get jacked up right now and it's still not having that much impact on inflation. So that means this inflation could last for a while. You know, if rates are up 40% of where they were 12 to 14 weeks ago and it's made very little impact on inflation, that means they have more to go. And that also means that I'm going to have higher costs over the next six months as well.
And so that's another key indicator that we're looking at. Uh, but really inventory is the biggest thing that I track. I want to know what's going on, what's the trajectory, what's the days on market, and then also what's the absorption rate. Absorption rate is another one that I'm really looking at. How much house is in the market, what are they absorbing at, and how quickly? Uh, because that's going to tell me what the trend of that market is. If the absorption rate is slowing down every two to three weeks, that that mean we're on a slide. And when I'm running my performa, I'm actually going to be a little bit lower than what the comps are at today. Uh, and so it tells you how to kind of track these trends and then put them in your performa and then write your offer accordingly. And that's why that, I mean, and that's why I do love being on bigger pockets on the market uh, podcast so much is that's what we talk about is the trends, how to track those things, because everything that we do today as an investor or when we're buying today, it's going to be different in six to nine months. You know, the last two years, it had skyrocketed up 10 to 20%, which told us to buy on thinner margins. But now we have to buy with bigger margins, but how big, what does it bigger even mean? And, and by tracking these trends, it's going to tell you how safe to be and how conservative to be on your offers. Man, that is fantastic. And for a, a couple of follow-ups to that one, you talked about an absorption study for some of the newer ones listening and they're going, how do I do that? How would you run an absorption study? Yeah, absorption, because a lot of the absorption rates will be, it's in a lot of different stat maps. You know, we get a lot from the Northwest MLS or the MLS and then Alan Pope is one of the best statistical tracking um, databases or websites that you can go to. They track everything, inventory, absorption rates. Uh, they track median home pricing. Uh, it is the best technical information out there. At least that's what I believe. And I use it. I mean, I go to Alan Pope and we track things every two to four weeks because that's kind of telling us our trends. Typically, we don't watch it as much. But when you have a volatile market going on, we're always kind of looking at those trends. But, you know... I would say the more you can study and forecast, the better you're going to be as an investor. Um, it's going to prepare you more in utilizing, you know, uh, utilize the podcast, bigger pockets on the market to go over those trends. Alan Pope's going to give you stats and facts. And then also, you know, as a real estate investor, you need to make sure that you have that broker that understands what you're doing and it is an investment style uh, or investment minded broker they should be producing you with these reports. We send those reports out to our clients on a monthly basis. Like this is what's going on in the market. These are the trends to watch, watch for. So the, the better you know, bench that you have and resources that you have on your team, your team, you can have your team send you those stats. Like every broker that works with investors should be sending this out to their clients regardless. Because again, the, the more successful you are as an investor, the more successful the broker is going to be too. And so a lot of times communicate with your brokers, they can send you those as well. Um, it, you know, it, and it, it, that absorption rate, because they have the absorption rates for, for sales, but they also have it for rental markets. And so if you're really trying to build out your portfolio too, that will tell you how fast the rentals are being absorbed and how fast they're being rented, which is also going to tell you whether you're going to get rent growth or rent loss. If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, whether you're beginner, intermediate or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesale, and fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com, go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure, or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels. If you go on www.nicknicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's going to be my takeaway. As soon as we get off this, I'm going to go on that and do one of those for my rental market over here. I appreciate you sharing that. You know, it's uh, another cool thing is a, a mutual friend of ours, David Green. He was on, I think it was one of his podcasts talking with Ed Millette about collective psychology. And I thought it was so amazing about how people in uncertain times, exactly like we're in right now, make very emotional, illogical decisions based on their uncertainty. And if we're able to come in and still capitalize that instead of not freeze up, like you were talking about when you're given the information of, I'm willing to put this, this work in and I'm willing to study these things to make sure that I understand what I'm investing in, but I'm never going to be on the sideline. Everybody who sits on the sideline out of fear or because they don't have the knowledge or the confidence, yeah. 
missed out on a massive opportunity when the pandemic happened two years ago. And I feel like we're in a place right now where if you can educate yourselves and if you can surround yourself with people like yourself that know what they're doing, there's an amazing opportunity right now to jump in. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I have no problem with people getting a little bit of fear and sitting on the sidelines because that just better, is better buys for me. Uh, <laughs> I, I will say I'm excited to get, you know, we've made some really good buy. Like people, I keep hearing they're like, oh, well, you can't buy a property right now. The rates are too high. You can't make it work. That is that is a great white lie. I mean, we've bought more rental. Oh, no, I can't say that. But we bought, I just purchased three rental properties in the last two weeks. And, and these are properties that I was not able to buy the last 24 months. And it was stuff that I really wanted. And, you know, it's, so for me, I kind of like it because I'm like, all right, you guys got a little freaked out, go on the sideline. That's fine. I will buy it all up. Um, because, you know, also the rules have been broken so much the last 24 months, people are paying so much, or they were going way over the pricing that it made it hard as an investor. Like, you know, if you've been doing this while you kind of look at what people are paying, you're like, well, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. And then you'd also see them get kind of lucky when the market would hit up and you're like, oh crap, I guess I missed that. But, you know, for me, I like running this like a business. Like, what can I buy it for? What do I need to do for the rehab? How much is that going to cost me? What's my interest rate going to be on the back end that's going to tell me my cash flow? Or what can I sell it for, which is going to tell me what my return is? And then typically you can kind of run that game if you have your processes down. And every time you do this, you're going to just have a little bit of a variance rather than a massive one if, if you're prepping right. And so when people leave the market, you can actually have the time and logically go through that process and really spend the time and underwrite the deal correctly and make sure that it's a perfect little, you know, perfect type of project that fits in your process. And so, you know, as people leave, yes, there's gonna be a ton of opportunities and that's going to separate who's going to be, who's going to have the wealth in the next 10 years. And if you, if you, if you, if you are nervous and your processes are bad, then yes, step out for a second, fix your processes you know, don't go buy unless you fix your processes, you know, audit those things first. But at the same time, you are going to be thinking about you're going to be in the next boom in 10 years, because real estate's a cycle, right? It's 10 to 15 years, it's going to go up and down. And then we'll, we'll see you guys on the next cycle, when you when it's at, you know, and then we will still have the same type of uh, wealth that has been built up, you know, it's like, you have to keep buying, like in the stock market, you have to keep buying to make that steady return. Real estate is no different. You have to keep buying to keep your return and keep growing that way. And, and it, it's funny because these interest rates are doing me a favor because when you look at a deal, yeah, the cash flow is not great. But you know, for us, what we're, we're doing is we're not buying it on the cash flow for today. I don't need that cash flow to pay for my bills today. That's for down the road when I want to quit working. If I'm buying now and I'm looking at my interest rates is around 7% and I'm making a 4% return, that's bad. That's half of what inflation is. I'm not really happy with that. But I pick up that big equity position there. Play with your mortgage calculator and it will change your mind because I, I do think rates will come down in the next 12 to 24 months. I do think they're going to be around 5 to 5.5%, which is more of a normal rate for an investor to be getting their money at. When I do that and I put that in a calculator, that dictates what I'm going to buy or not. Because a lot of times, if I'm making a 4% return and then I drop the rate down in two years at five and a half, it goes up to 12 to 14% on almost every deal. So I can pick up the massive equity position today because people aren't buying. I'm getting the bad cash flow for two years, but who cares? And then once that money comes down, which it always does, all of a sudden, if I pick up 10 properties, I'm going to be making 12 to 14% on 10 properties and picking up 100 grand in equity almost on every house. That's a million dollars. You know, if I'm putting out, you know, on those kind of properties, I'm going to make a million dollars in equity and a 12% return in two years. That's how I get to financial freedom. It's about planning down the road, not planning in the now. And people play too much in the now. And that's why they can't build the wealth and keep growing. And that's why in 10 years, they're going to say, well, I, I, I want to do this now. But don't miss the window. Buy when it's hard. And that's where the money's made. Man, I think that that's so huge. I love everything you just said about that. And I want to I want to dig into your companies and the stuff you're doing too. I just had one more follow-up question on that because you, you piqued my interest when you talked about getting a little bit of a higher rate now and then going back. And I know Burrow is a strategy that they they are really big on the Bigger Pockets yeah. podcast. You've talked about it a lot, but you're also a lender. So I would love to hear your thoughts on that because- a lot of people I see get burned because they don't look at what the qualifications might be to refinance the property in six months, 12 months yep. for what the lender might want from them and from the property. And like we're saying now, they overbuy, they don't have any spreads, and then they might not be able to get out. 
what is your strategy for trying to prep yourself as best you can as an investor to be pulling out refinances, whether it's cash out or rate in terms in six, 12, 18 months on your investment properties? Yeah, so, so money is key in any, like the money, money is what makes all market move, like it, access to capital and financing. And, you know, so as the market in, in over the last 24, 48 or 24 months, you can get whatever loans you want. It's very easy to get them. You can get a hard money loan. All right. They weren't even hard money. There's banks basically pretending to be hard money and they're lending <laughs> out like seven, 8%. They all locked up and access to capital is the, the biggest key to, to growing as an investor. Like in 2008, the reason we were able to make it is because we started our own hard money company. We got care. I mean, actually, 2009, we started our own hard money company. The reason we could flip in 2008 when no one was lending is because I had to go to a loan shark, basically. And <laughs> yeah, he had, he had a gold chain. He charged 18% interest and four points for every one of my loans. And you know, and what I learned was I gave away so much profit because there just wasn't that much capital out there. And so what you want to do as an investor is you have to prep and make sure that you know what kind of loans that you can get. So every month I'm talking to my mortgage broker who I love because he understands my book of business. He understands real estate. Um, and then we're talking to all of our local banks and figuring out what kind of money that we have access to. Um, in addition to when we're doing our large like syndication deals and we're borrowed a big apartment buildings, again, we're making sure that we have money locked in. So we've already talked to our local banks that we know we can get the money from. But then when we actually find that deal, we want to make sure that that loan is 100% locked in for the takedown loan and the stabilization loan, or that can throw fits in your performa down the road. You know, if you're thinking you can get a five and a half percent rate on the exit and you haven't locked that in and you go to refi at 12 months down the road, that's going to be a massive problem for you because you, it's going to eliminate your cash flow if your rate's higher. And so that's the risky thing about burrs right now is you have to project what you think your rate's going to be on the stabilization because you know the whole principle of burr is to buy a discounted asset, stabilize it, increase the value, and then leverage against that new value increase. You know, and that's how you get your money back out, which is your gunpowder to go buy your next deal. And so the things that you have to be very careful on when you're doing a burr right now is you have to be really conservative on the values. If I'm looking at refinancing something in six months and it's in a market like we were just talking about that just dropped 22%, and I think the rates are going to keep going up, I'm going to project that that ARV is going to be about five to 10% lower at that time. Because that's if I, if I predict that my value is going to be too, or I project that my value is going to be too high and I don't hit that number, that's going to require me to leave a lot more cash in the deal, which is going to affect all of my numbers down the road. In addition to, I need to know what my rate's going to be. If I'm at, I think right now I just locked in at like 6.75 on an investment property, which is better than I had been hearing. But if, if I'm looking at six to nine months down the road and the Fed came out what this week and said, hey, we're going to jack the rates up another three quarters to so maybe even a point, I'm going to run my performa at... Uh, an exit of around 8%, not 7%, and make sure that the deal works. But ha having access to that money is, is key. And so every month, you should be talking to new bankers, new leverage people, figure out what their programs are, what do you qualify for, keep your pre-qual fresh, because you want to make sure when that good opportunity comes up, you know, the market is flat right now, but if there's a good deal, it's still moving very quick. And so you got to be able to pull that trigger very fast, make sure you have the right plan in there, and then you have that access to capital. But, uh, you know, I talked to four mortgage brokers last week because I'm getting ready to refi four rental properties. And I'm talking to them about all the different options they have, what kind of terms they have, how do I get past this two-year negative, you know, if I got a higher, uh, you know, if I have a low cash flow deal, I might go with an interest-only loan during that two-year period. You know, and there's different ways that I can, I can kind of run my performance. But money dictates everything. So yes, you always want to make sure you have access to capital. In addition to on the burrs, another major thing is know your construction costs. Because if you, if you go over on your, your budget, that just means more cash in your deal, right? You're only going to be able to lever 70% of that new appraised value. The construction is debt on the deal. And so if you're not efficient on your construction, you're going to have to leave substantially more money in the deal, which is going to make your cash on cash return in the toilet as well. Man, it's such a good info. It's such a good answer. And the construction side of stuff alone, we could do another three hours on, but for people listening Check the show notes because your social media, your YouTube, some of the lives you do, especially on the podcast, the information you give on running construction projects, coming up with construction numbers, managing contractors is 
some of the best information I've seen literally period on social media. So definitely follow for that information because I know it's probably piquing other people's interest. But some of the stuff you're doing now, I want to talk about easybuttonleads.com, project real estate, limelight development, buck, buck buys, houses, I believe is yours as well, interest funding. Start to talk about your companies, how you help other investors, how we can work with you and how we can kind of pair up and bring you some value. Yeah, it's, um, you know, recently we just uh, purchased or bought into a company, Easy Button Leads. Um, the reason being is, again, that just like we were talking about pivoting in the market, you know, for or as wholesalers or investors, you know, one of the hardest parts is targeting sellers at a cost effective way. It, it, you know, because for us, like at one point, I remember in 2015, mail was working really well because it was before wholesaling really caught fire. We were spending seventy to eighty thousand dollars a month on mail, cool. and we were mass manufacturing marketing out there. And the reason we were doing it because it was giving us a ten x return, so it was working for or not ten x, it was like a five x return, and it was working because people were responding well. But then all the courses started, and then everybody started flooding the mailboxes, and it diluted it down, right? And then we didn't really pay attention to that cost, and all of a sudden it was like we had to shut that spigot off real fast because it, it turned red after two years, and so. What we know now is the cost of market to seller can be very expensive. Like mail is expensive. Um, you know, online advertising is extremely expensive right now, pay-per-click. And so for me, as you go into a transitioning market and there's a little bit of unsettlement going out there, like a lot of people, you know, they're off the pandemic. Everyone's still a little bit, they're not back to their normal pre-pandemic selves it, just based on that alone. And then all of a sudden, the, and then, the one thing is people also saw that their values went way up. And in most time, people think that that's money in the bank. And then once the market starts shifting, they get nervous because th their, their savings accounts getting wiped out is how they look at it. And they just go, I want to sell this now. And they want to make a decision quickly. But to find that person doesn't mean that it's going to be a specific type of target. You know, like for us, we're very targeting when we're, we're, we're going after off market. You know, we're looking for specific lead lists specific types of sellers, different attributes. And because we can be so pinpointing, we can be very cost effective on our marketing, but also have a high conversion rate because we're getting the right lead in front of us. But when you go into more of an unsettled market, you don't know where the deal is because everyone's either locked up, they don't want to sell right now, or they have a lot of fear and they just want to get rid of it. And so that's why we bought into this call room, uh, Easy Button Leads is because it can mass manufacture leads at a very minimal cost. So we're able to contact with like one of our callers and we run five to 10 callers, depending on the, the month and the time is for, you know, 1600 bucks a month or no, it's $1,400 a month. I can call 12 to 14,000 person per call. And so what we want to do now is expand the coverage out with our Buck Buys Houses wholesaling company. We want to be talking to everybody, not because we're trying to buy everyone's house, just because we want to have the conversation like, hey, are, is this on your radar for the next 12 months? And the more people we're talking to, to, the more we're uncovering at that point. And so we went from very pinpointed marketing to mass coverage. And the other reason we went to mass coverage is a lot of the wholesalers have locked up the last, they're having problems moving their deals. They're, how they were wholesaling doesn't work anymore because they need to pivot with the new market. And because of that, they're also not spending money as much because they're trying to figure out their processes. And so for us to be able to mass target and, and call out for cost effectively gets us a huge return. We've been able to triple our leads over the last 60 days just by actually beefing up all of our callers. So we actually dropped a lot of our more expensive targeting marketing and went to more coverage rather than that, just because you don't know what people are thinking at the time. And your data lists aren't going to tell what people are thinking. And so it gets you in front of a lot more people and gets the conversation going. Um, but that was part of the reason is I was saying, well, hey, we want to keep this call rooms working. We want to get involved. And so that's why I just kind of bought in at that point, because I was like, this is this is this is how I need to pivot for the next 24 months. And it was well worth the, the expense. Uh, but, you know, so if you're a wholesaler investor, you want to look at as many options right now because you want to shrink your buy box, but have as many options. So, so, you know, the, the options will help find that thing to have that narrow down buy box, but you do that by coverage and that in the call room, easy, easy button leads works because they do mass texting. They do, uh, they do, uh, uh, data, pro uh, we provide data we do. Um, and then we also do skip tracing. So we track all the phone numbers down the contacts and then we, we uh, they put it in the queue. We scrub the leads, give it a three qual, uh, uh, it gets qualified three times and then goes directly in their CRM. 
And so it really is a game changer for people right now, because as the markets cool down, wholesalers will make less money. The fees are going to be smaller. They're going to be getting less deals done. So they got to, they also got to control their marketing costs. I think that's incredible, man. And, and pivoting to what we were talking about as well, even if you're hitting and fighting this, if there's less competition there, we started this whole conversation by saying, when the markets turn like this, this is where wealth is created. So if you're getting really good motivated deals, even if you can't dispo them, if you get them a big enough a discount, you could probably keep them cash flow and maybe work out some creative financing if there's enough motivation there. And like you said, that's going to pay you off huge in a few years, especially if you can lock in long-term low interest debt. Yeah, creative financing is going to be a big deal in the next 24 months. It's, you know, people have locked in some good rates. A lot of them are assumable. You can kind of work around that. And, and you know, by, you know, a lot of sometimes people just want out of their house because they were in that FOMO. They bought this house because everyone was buying housing. And it was going up. And then they decided they don't like the area. They don't like the schools, but maybe they're a little underwater. They can't sell it, but they have a 3.4 rate. That's if you can pick that up on a 30 year, that, that's value in itself. And, and so I do think subject to, and, and that's something I really haven't done. I did a lot more in like 2008 to 10, but you know, with us being heavy value add guys, a lot of times getting an owner finance contract or assuming their loan doesn't even work for us that well, because the rehabs are so big that it makes your cash on cash returns actually substantially higher. If you get a construction loan with a hard money, because you're putting less cash in, you know, if I'm putting 200 to 300 grand into the reno, I can get my lender to cover 85% of that. And so the subject to deal doesn't work that well on that. But for those like clean rental properties that you can pick up at three, you know, if you can go buy 10 properties subject to at a three to three and a half percent rate and they're cash flowing, they may not have equity in them, but that's a different type of asset that you own. That's just a cash flowing, low debt, low interest asset. And so it kind of goes into a different bucket. And so I think, you know, I do think that that is going to be a major trend because people, I do think bought homes they didn't really want. They bought them because they had to. And then they're mm -hmm. going to change their mind because that's human nature, especially American human nature. We change our minds all the time. We want better. We want bigger, whatever it is. And if they can't sell it, that's going to be the way they have to sell it. I love that, man. So if people are interested in finding out if you can work with them and help them out in their market, they just go to easybuttonleads.com? Yeah, easy. Yeah, easybuttonleads.com. Um, and then you, you can fill out a request and we will contact you. Uh, you'll actually probably be talking to me or one of our uh, partners, Cole Red Johnson, who's a, he owns a wholesaling company called HelloPad, which they do about 150 deals a year in Washington state. And they actually do nationwide wholesaling as well. Um, he's the one that is kind of the brainchild behind getting the system set up. And, um, yeah, so it, the good news is they're own, it's owned by investors. So we, we, we basically are made it for ourselves and now we're letting everybody else do it for a low cost. So it, it, you know, the processes are the same ones I use. That's awesome, man. I am definitely going to go there today and see how that can kind of work for me. Cause I said in the beginning, I'm, I'm going to transition right now. So I'm looking for good people, man. So, um, some of the other stuff, what are some other things that people might want to find you for, talk to you about? funding, you know, partnering, all kinds of stuff. Talk all things James Daynard. Uh, and another thing that actually we're launching uh, in the next couple of weeks is jamesdaynard.com. Um, what we did is, you know, we there's there's so much information out there, right? Uh, for free education and education in general. And a lot of times you don't know what's real and what's not real. And even for me as a business owner, I'm like, wait, so I got this social media stuff because the, 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 the social media world is new to me. I'm, I'm really just a deal guy. And, you know, we've been kind of doing it over the last couple of years. But, you know, it's like you have Instagram, you have uh, TikTok, you got Twitter, you got YouTube. And it's like all these people are going every which way to find this stuff. And so we ended up just launching jamesdaner.com. And the whole purpose is to get free instructional videos because, you know, our, our big thing is to go there and get you guys the information that you need to execute as an investor. And, you know, for us, we, you know, it started as giving free information for Pacific Northwest people, because that, that gets us clients. And it also gives us qualification at Heaton Daner, you know, like our, our brokerage Heaton Daner is set up to service investors in Washington state. You know, we source deals, we underwrite the deals, we put together the construction packages for them, we design them, we spec them, we get the paint colors out, we provide them with the financing with the interest funding. And so we make it a very easy one-stop shop when people come in. But part of that is we can get all these things in a row. Heat and Daner can find the deal or Buck Buys House can find the off-market deal. The broker at Heat and Daner can help sell that deal to the client, get them going with the right package. Interest funding is going to lend them the money to, you know, to where they only have to come up with 10 to 15% of the total project. And then our brokers is going to sell it for them on the back end. 
but the execution is still the most important part. Because if you don't execute right, none of those services matter. And so that's what we launched jamesdanner.com for was to get people the information so they know how to execute. Uh, and, and that's where you're going to get all sorts of instructional videos like, hey, this is how you negotiate a contractor. This is how you cold call a contractor. This is how you need to talk to a seller. We just did a really cool video that we'll be launching out where we, we did a two-hour cold call session with all my sales guys. And it was a competition of who could get the most leads out of there. You know, I was dialing against them. Uh, and so all those things are good, right? Because, you know, especially as the market changes, you want to pivot with what people are doing and, and staying in tune. Uh, but yes, if you, if you guys are local real estate investors in Washington, we offer a ton of services. Heat and Dana Real Estate sources 300 deals a year for local investors. Uh, interest funding will can fund, you know, we're a true hard money business to where we'll lend at the auction. We come down with cashier checks, we'll finance you there. Uh, we can fund a deal in 48 hours. We have no appraisal, no doc fees. Um, it's, you know, we're not your typical, we're true hard money guys. What I've been saying is hard money's kind of got, it's kind of lost its edge, I would say, in the last four years. There's all these, I call them soft money guys, where they're in the market, they say they're hard money, they're going to give you the construction, but they have so many requirements. You, it's like a full doc process. You got a, you got a credit app. You have to fill, uh, you have to fill out a loan app. You're getting an appraisal. They want to audit all your construction docs. That's not how hard money really works. That's it. That's that's just bank financing to be. Hard money is we are guys that can lend you. You call us up, we'll lend you the money in 48 hours. We're gonna check the loan to value. We like the loan balance versus the loan to value, the money's yours. And it, you know, and I think that's one thing that I think the investors of the last two years need to also realize is get yourself paired up with the hard money guys that will actually get the deals done. Uh, because I have heard a ton right now that these soft money lenders, they're like appraising things at like 35% lower than market just because they're being so conservative. Because again, they're not deal guys, they're banks. And you know, like one of my clients called me up, she's like, I got a quote for a loan, but they put the value at, at 999 grand. I'm like, huh. I'm like, but we're listed for 1.7 million. Cause she basically oh. paid all cash and tried to refi it. She's like, yeah, I don't, it, it freaked her out. I'm like, don't worry about it. They just don't know what they're doing. We sold the house for 1.68 million, but they appraised it at a million. Oh. And so, you know, make sure get paired up with your hard money guys. If you're in Washington, check us out. Interest funding. Um, we, you know, we've been funded for almost 15 years in the local markets. So we know how to get the loans done. Um, but those are our, those are our two uh, largest companies, Heat and Daynard. You know, we are set up. Every business that we do is set up to for concierge service for investors. Sourcing deals, funding the deals, executing the plans, and then in dispo, dispoing out with property management or or selling them on the market. Um, but um, you know, the best thing you can do is educate yourself. So definitely check us out on jamesdanner.com, our YouTube channel at Project RE. We're just again trying to put out very technical information to where you can actually understand what's going on. Uh, if a contractor gives you a change order, we'll help you kind of work through all those processes. And it's about just saving your bottom line. That's our, as investors, we have to protect the bottom line. And, but you only know how to protect it if you know what's going on and you know how to negotiate with the professionals, because if they know what's going on and you don't, they're going to get one over on you. I know that. <laughs> I love that, man. That's fantastic info. And all this stuff that you're talking about is going to be on the show notes. So if you want direct links to jamesdater.com, social media, all the companies, I'm going to list all of it line by line, bullet by bullet. I highly encourage you to subscribe to his social media, to his YouTube channel, and all the things that I, I mean, I, I feel like I have a very high level of knowledge, and I know there's a lot of other people that I can go to, and I'm constantly checking out your content because anytime I do block off an hour to watch one of your webinars or jump and listen to your podcast, I always learn something new. I always learn something about a new tactic I can do, a new thing I should be looking at. So I very much appreciate that you share all that knowledge because there are a lot of time-wasting channels and accounts out there, and yours 100% is one of the more top-notch ones I have come across in a very long time. So thank you very much, sir. I appreciate it. No fluff. That's my- No fluff. Every, no fluff. <laughs> every time we meet and we're, we're like trying to figure out what we want to put out there, I'm like, just no fluff. No filler. And fl There's way too much filler and fluff. You can't do anything with it. Like, I don't want to hear about concepts. I want to know how to do the concepts. And, and that's really what, I, I mean, and that's what I'm passionate about, like teaching people actually how to do it, not just going here, here's this concept, go figure it out. And, and, uh, and also check us out on our Instagram at jdaneflips because that's where we post a lot of stuff daily on.
Um, and that's just me being like, even today, I got to drive out and go through a bunch of projects. I have a bunch of fires I need to put out. <laughs> so we're going to be filming the fires and what am I doing to put them out? And some of the things I don't even know what I'm going to do yet, but I'm going to talk about it and say, Hey, like, this is the options we're trying to do. We'll let you know what works out or not. Man, that's incredible. So I will definitely be watching. I'm going to be checking out all those websites as well. And I always tell people how you live your day is how you live your life. And the way you run your life is the way you ran your tables at Red Robin, which is like a professional business that puts people first and really comes from a place of service and has managed to create a very great system and a great, very great lifestyle. I am very excited to have you on this episode. I was really looking forward to having you on. I was very honored when your name popped up and you accepted my request to come on. You, sir, bring your A-game to everything and you have brought your A-game to this podcast. I thank you so much. Any final thoughts before I let you go about your day? No, I think uh, just for everybody listening, just be careful right now. Make sure, you know, really look, don't, don't be always looking for the deal. Work on your processes. The processes will help create the deals. And, you know, just be safe, but don't stop buying either. You're going to regret it in, in 10 years. I can, I can promise you that. Because if I didn't keep buying 10 years ago or 20 years ago, my life would be completely different nowadays. Like I would not have the life that I had today. Solid, solid investment advice, solid life advice. Thank you so much for coming on today. James Daner, ladies and gentlemen, have a great day. Well, thanks, Nick.